this is the first afternoon service that I have been in since February of 2020, I believe. I was thinking about that. And the afternoon service is dear to my heart because that's when I started preaching was in our afternoon service. We used to have an afternoon service every Sunday at Vestavia. And that's the first time I was ever asked to speak was at the afternoon service. And so I love the afternoon service. But don't get worried. I usually only spend an hour or two in the afternoon service. So <laughs> we'll be out of here before too long. Um, I've enjoyed being with you all. And I, I did hear once Brother Sonny Pyle said that sheep don't feed good in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, so I think it's... Uh, well, I quote Brother Sam as well. No, no sermon is too bad if it's short enough. <laughs> um, so we won't be here too long. Um, we talked about living in Babylon, and I don't know if there would have been a more depressing place to be during the, the siege of that time. In Lamentations chapter 4, in verse 4, it says this, describing what was going on it says the tongue of the sucking child cleaves to the roof of his mouth for thirst the young children ask bread and no man breaketh it unto them they that could feed delicately are desolate are desolate in the streets they that were brought up in scarlet embrace dung hills uh, it's amazing how fast a society can change I tried to preach last week at Vestavia from man's way versus God's way. There's a proverb, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 says, There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. It's amazing how quickly we can bring death upon ourselves. And, um, you know, I, I know I joked about things being bad, but we can, if we focus on that, we can become depressed and, and sad and anxious very quickly, right? Um, and if there was anybody that had a right, I'd, I'd have gave him a pass to be depressed and, and anxious and worried, it would be Jeremiah. But if you back up one chapter, he says this in verse 21, he says, This I recall to mine, therefore have I hope. And I believe the enemy, uh, our enemies in this life, and Satan himself, the one thing that he wants to rob you of is your hope found in God. He, he knows, as I, as I said this morning, that he's defeated. He knows that his head's been crushed uh, by our Lord and Savior. But he wants to rob you of his hope. And he says, therefore, I have hope. In verse 22, he says, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. <laughs> you know, if we think about who we really are, creatures of the dust that snub our nose at a holy God, it's amazing that He doesn't just consume us, isn't it? I believe it's in the book of Colossians where it says it is in Christ that all things consist. He's holding it all together. I watched a, um, I watched a debate one time between, um, I think it was Ken Ham and Bill Nye the Science Guy. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> and um, I remember... He, Bill Nye was presenting his um, theory of, of atheistic evolution and, and he said, well, there were two atoms, I guess, that were floating around and they collided together and there was a big bang and that's how we're all here. And Ken Ham said, well, where did the atoms come from? 
or maybe it was the moderator that asked him, I can't remember, and he said, very, I thought very honestly, he said, we don't know, we're, we're working on that. <laughs> and Kim Han said, I got a book that will explain it all to you. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people wonder, how does the world not implode on itself? And I don't know how all the science works, but I know this, there's a God that's holding it all together. And he says here that it's of the Lord's mercies. See, he doesn't hold it all together because we're doing so good. He doesn't look down at Bethlehem or Vestavia or, or any of us and say, boy, Brother Luke's got it so good. He's, he's doing so good. He's, he's got it all together. Brother Buddy's got it all together. Brother Josh has got it all together that I'll just keep the world going because they're, they're knocking it out of the park. He looks down and says, despite of them, I'm still going to hold it all together. Isn't that amazing? He does not, that, that's what mercy is. He doesn't give us, he withholds what we deserve. If we got what we deserved, you ever heard somebody say, I wish I could just get what I deserve? <laughs> We'd all burn up right now, right? That's what we deserve. But he says that it's of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed. He says, because his compassions, his tender love and his mercy for us, they fail not. His love for us does not fail. He said, they are new every morning. Isn't that amazing? Uh, that every day that passes, every night that passes, every sun that rises, God's mercies are brand new. He's got a fresh batch of mercy for me and you. He's got a fresh batch of grace for me and you. And then he says this, great is thy faithfulness. Um, you know, we can't say that about any of us. How many of y'all make resolution after resolution after resolution? You're going to be more faithful to God. <laughs> and then you find you've got to make another resolution. All right, I have drifted away from being faithful to God. And you come back. Well, God's faithfulness is great. Do y'all see that? His faithfulness is great. I know I'm, I'm preaching to a lot of people who understand that, that our, even our faith of a home in heaven is based on His faithfulness. Amen. Right? Not on our faithfulness, because our faithfulness is weak, as I just said. But it's based on His faithfulness. Um, and so I want to look at, a, at a, the, the power of hope and the hope that we have, because I believe what happens, and you can see that it's on our mind, because Brother Bryce has talked about it, I talked about it, Brother Thomas talked about it. There's a lot of things going on around us today that are discouraging I mean we could sit probably until the fellowship thing starts talking about what's wrong with our country what's wrong with the society we're in um, and we lose hope because you remember when Peter was walking on the water and he was actually walking on the water and it, I think it says he saw the wind and the waves and they were boisterous and he looked at those and he took his eyes off of God and he began to sink and that's, that's a lot like you and I in this world. When we begin to look at the winds and the waves and the things that are going on, that's when we begin to seek. But even Jeremiah said, this is the one place I find my hope in what God is doing for us and what God has done for us in the love of God. So I hope you're familiar with this scripture. And we'll run through it for just a moment. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 24, the Apostle Paul says this, for we are saved by hope. And I want you to understand today that 
If you're going to be delivered in the world that we're facing, you're going to have to have hope to be delivered in it, right? And he says we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we, sh- what we should pray for as we ought. I-, I love that he says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities. We are infirm people. I think one of the greatest things about being a Christian is you can just sit back and admit that I am messed up. <laughs> like, I know I tell the folks back home, like, if you don't, if you don't think you're a messed up sinner, Jesus outed you 2,000 years ago by leaving heaven and dying on a cross. So you can just rest in your mess, okay? Like, I mean, I'm not saying we don't want to be better, but we don't have it all together. And when we try to get it all together, we just get on the, I guess, the treadmill of religion. We're trying to get it all together to think we're going to please God. How many of y'all ever, have y'all ever done this? You say, like you will, you will walk away from God. You will try to distance yourself from God, and you'll think in your mind, if, um, okay, Josh, if you'll start reading your Bible every morning, and maybe praying more, then in a few days you can come back, and God will be happy with you. And and we know that salvation's by grace as old Baptists, but we still think that way sometimes. And the fact of the matter is that God's as happy with you right now as He's ever been or ever will be. You are cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. So when we feel like we should run from God because we've done things that that are maybe contrary to His Word, really we should run to God because He still loves us and we're still covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are infirm people. And you know, sometimes I need God's help for my prayers, uh, but sometimes I'm so infirm that I forget to pray. Have y'all ever done that? I go to bed at night and I think, did I, I mean... Maybe I shouldn't confess all this stuff to y'all. <laughs> I heard Brother Michael Goins preach one day, and he said, he said, sometimes I'll go, to, I'll go to bed at night or I'll wake up the next morning and I'll think, did I read my Bible? And I won't tell you what a relief that was <laughs> to me <laughs> to hear Michael Goins say that. <laughs> I hold him in very high regard and love him, but I've done the same things because I'm infirm. And even my prayers need the help of God if they're going to make any difference. Do you understand that? He says, he says that the Spirit helps our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searched the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercessions for the saints according to the will of God. And we know, Romans chapter 8 is a lot like that ShamWow commercial. You know where it's like, if you order right now, but wait, there's more. And it gets better, and you get two, but wait, there's more. You get free shipping, but wait, you get a pillow with it. But wait, you get a comforter with it. But wait, we'll have it to you in two days. It's, that's a lot like Romans. It's like, but wait, there's more. Not only is the Spirit helping our infirmities, He says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to His purpose. And I feel like you all know this, but I've got to say this. That doesn't mean all things that happen in this life, just like God's not going to freely give us all things in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He's not talking about all things. I do believe this. I believe there's a lot of good that comes out of a lot of things, and God blesses His people. That's right. You just say your house burns down. That's not a good thing. There could be be some good that comes from that. 
Amen, right? But everything, I mean, you, you just, you're not thinking if you think everything that happens is good. Was it James said, brethren, these things ought not be. <laughs> there are things that just shouldn't happen. But he says, we know this, that I know there's at least five things and that we're going to look at that work for our good. But he says, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Um, that word purpose means in, intent, intention, or design. And I want you to know this, that God didn't call you on accident. Amen. He called you for a purpose. Um, I believe it's one of the old catechisms that says, what is the chief end of man? And it is to enjoy God and glorify him, I believe it says, forever. I may have, I got that the wrong way. If nothing else, you have a purpose to glorify God. Let's, let's look at the, the, the book of Revelation for just a moment. It says this. It says in verse 10 of chapter 4, it says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You and I are new creatures in Jesus Christ for a purpose, and that is to worship God. Amen. He says you were called on purpose. It's not an accident that you're here, you're here today, hearing the preaching of the gospel. You were, you were called on purpose. And he says, for whom he did foreknow. See, this is what many are going to call the golden chain of salvation. It says, for whom? And I want you to notice in verse 29 that he's not talking about events, but he's talking about a group of people. For whom he did foreknow. That, that means to take an interest in beforehand. <laughs> Before you ever took an interest in God, he took an interest in you. I like that, don't y'all? He says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And that word predestinate, it, you don't, it just means predestinate. Okay? <laughs> He also did predestinate. He, he predetermined their destination. Those that he took an interest in, he went ahead and predetermined where they're going to end up. Because he loved them. He says he, he predestinated them to be conformed to the image of his son. And, and I'm going to tell you, that's, that's, that's a blessed hope, isn't it? To be conformed to the image of his son. That he, that is that his son, might be the firstborn among two or three people that persevere to the very end. Is that what y'all's Bible say? Are y'all awake? He said that they might be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And if, you don't, if, you, if you've checked out, if you get nothing else from what I'm saying today, I want you to know something, that you, you are part of a group of people that is many brethren. Amen. When the disciples, you talk about the disciples were facing despair, and, and, and Jesus is telling them that He's going to go away, and there are new things that are going to be ushered in. In John chapter 13, He says, uh, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That means a whole bunch of places to hold people. <laughs> yeah. 
And I believe, I believe there's going to be a, a sign when everything's wrapped up in heaven that says no vacancies, we are full. <laughs> that everyone that God predestinated to be with him will be there. And it's many people. Uh, you know, the, the, the thing that I love about the old Baptist church, because I believe it's biblical, um, I guess outside of, of heresies like universalism, we get more people in heaven <laughs> than any group of people that I know of. Because see, my, my wife asked me last week, what do you tell people when they say, what is a primitive Baptist? And um, I said, I don't know, that's a good question. I, I don't know that I've ever answered that in a way. It's, um, I know all of you would probably answer that in a different way. Because there's probably things that are special to you uh, that you would want to tell them. Um, we called Brother Tim. <laughs> and I said, hey, I got a question for you. What would you say is different about primitive Baptist? He said everything. <laughs> uh, I love that. But I will say this, that primitive Baptists, and, 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 and I, don't, I say this very kindly, I really do, they're the only group of people I've ever found that believe that salvation is by grace alone. Period. You know, you could, like if somebody says, what is a primitive Baptist? And you say, well, we believe in salvation by grace. Well, you know what 99% of the time they're going to say? So do I. <laughs> and good. Maybe, maybe in their heart they do. Because by experience alone, if you had no Bible, uh, you know, if you had nobody teaching you the Bible to, to misinterpret the way it was said, by experience alone, you'd understand that you were saved by grace. How many of y'all went out looking for God to find Him? None of us, right? Everybody, everybody in here, everybody that will be in church tomorrow, God found them first. And that's what, that's, that's what a primitive Baptist is. We believe that God found us first. But the thing that I love about the old Baptist church is that we believe that heaven's going to be a big place. Amen. You know, in the book of Matthew chapter 7, when it's talking about entering in at the straight gate and going through the narrow way, Jesus himself says that there'll be few people that find it. But what you've got to understand about the Sermon on the Mount, if you go to Matthew chapter 5, his disciples came to him and he's talking to them about discipleship, how we're going to live in this life. And there will be very few people that actually walk God's way in this life. But that's not going to hinder God from having a great multitude of people with Him in heaven. Amen. I love that. Listen, listen, I know we were, back, we were just in the book of Revelation, but if we go to Revelation chapter 5, it says, it says in verse 8, it says, and they took, when they had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials of odors, which are the prayers of the saints, and they sung a new song saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by Thy blood. Who is it that's redeemed us to God? It's the one who sacrificed Himself for us, right? Amen. And He says, You've redeemed us by Your blood. And it doesn't say it's going to be the few that find that. He says, Out of every kindred, out of every tongue, out of every people, and out of every nation. And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. There's, there are people, there are people that are in heaven today, and people that will be in heaven, um, out of 
out of every family that will ever be on this earth. Think about that. Every family. (laughs) Don't y'all like that? And I believe a great multitude out of every family. (laughs) He He says out of every tongue. That means every language. And I'm going to tell you, there's been a lot of languages that have come and gone before the gospel was ever uttered. But there's going to be people in heaven out of every tongue. Out of every people. There's going to be, there's going to be people in heaven out of every people group. Even those people that you don't like. <laughs> They're going to be in heaven. Out of every nation. You know, you know, in, in North Korea, you'll be killed. If, if we tried to do what we're doing today in North Korea, we'd all be dead right now. But there's going to be people in heaven from North Korea. Amen. Y'all understand that? And I don't know that we'll ever have racial reconciliation in this country, any other country, until this world ends. But if you don't like diversity, you're going to hate heaven. Because it's going to be a diverse place. He says that he will be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom? Notice it's still whom. The same group of people, those that he predestinated, them he also called. He effectually called them from a state of spiritual death to a state of life in Christ. And whom he called, them he also justified. And notice, notice you didn't justify yourself by an act of faith, by an act of obedience, or by a prayer you prayed, or an aisle you walked, or through your perseverance, it was Jesus Christ alone and the Christ of Calvary who purchased your justification. You understand that? Alone. And moreover, whom he justified, them he also glorified. They, they, they are rendered excellent. And I know y'all all look really good today, but one day we're going to look real good. Y'all know that? And it is so sure in the mind of God that it is in the past tense here that he, Him He also glorified. Verse 31, He says, What shall we then say to these things? And, and there are so many things that are against us, right? So many groups of people that hate. They don't so much hate us. They don't so much hate the things we believe. They hate the God that we worship. And so they want to persecute us. He says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And I know I spoke on this just a moment in in the morning service that so many times because we are infirm and because we fall and because we suffer uh, from from our frailty in this life, Satan will use that. If he can get his foot in the door, he will he will discourage you. He will depress you. He wants you to understand. He he wants you to believe that you're not even one of God's people. If he if he can he would get you in the state where you would, you would even uh, question your own salvation. And I believe, I believe we see that. I'm, I know I don't want to repeat what I said this morning, but we see that from for many even uh, in Christianity today. 
You know, they have people that you can hire to come in and, and preach messages just to make you question if you really are a child of God. <laughs> um, I, want you to, I want you to hear this. Now, now we have, an at, we, we have um, Satan, who is the accuser of the brethren. But listen to this in, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not, and that is the goal, that we become more and more conformed to the image of Christ. He says, And if any man sin... We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And I want to say, if you don't get anything else, listen to this. That's two things you've got to get by the end of this sermon. You have one today in heaven that's seated at the right hand of God who is pleading your cause right now. The thoughts that you had during lunch that you shouldn't have had. <laughs> There's one in heaven who's pleading your cause. And he says it is Jesus Christ the righteous. And it says of Jesus that He, and He alone, He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the, Jesus Christ is the wrath-ending sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Who are the whole world? They're the many that are going to be conformed to the image of His Son. And listen, listen to this. God is not mad at you, child of God. Jesus Christ ended the wrath that He had toward me and you. He bore it in His body on the cross for you and I to be put away forever. Amen. Don't y'all love that? Like you think God is disappointed in me. Well, God, listen... God wants you to do right. <laughs> but when you do wrong, there's one who's pleading your cause right now. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Listen to the verse 35. He says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Can anything you watch tonight on that Fox News we were talking about separate you from the love of God? Can all the bad stuff and the higher taxes and the cities burn into the ground? Or can, uh, if, if they were to shut the church down forever, could any of that separate you from the, from the love of God? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all, day, all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. The biggest problem that you and I have ever had, whatever we face, what, in, until the day you die, the biggest problem you ever had is that you are a sinner and that God is holy. Right. And you will never stand in His presence unless you are made righteous. Amen. And to add to that, you had no way to fix the situation. But God loved you enough to send His Son and the Bible says this, that He made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I don't think that I could even preach that. Like, that is mind-blowing stuff, isn't it? So the biggest problem that you and I have ever had has already been solved. So the rest of it is just little details, right, of life. And if God loves you, the fact is He will always love you. He says, Lord, I've loved you with an everlasting love. You know what that means? It went for that, for back way, that way and that way, the same distance. It's everlasting. He says, for I am persuaded 
that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth. Brother Tim's left, so I'll get John Morgan. Brother Chris, you know, attorneys will put in a catch-all clause, right? <laughs> and, and a lot of us are too dumb to figure that out. But they'll... Hey, listen to what God did. He put a catch-all clause. Nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, you, me, or anybody else, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing, child of God, that will remove you from the love of Jesus Christ. And, and when hope is lost, I hope we'll be like Jeremiah. Just say, this is what I'm going to think about. Amen. That there's nothing that can separate me from God's love.